right, welcome back to the Biased Opinion Sports Podcast. I'm here with PJ Hennessy, and we got a special guest today, our resident Browns expert and diehard fan as of two years ago, Dan Hoover, <laughs> joining the podcast to discuss the uh, embarrassing loss once again uh, as the Browns fall to the Patriots. Season. Embarrassing season would probably fit better, but yeah. Yeah. Overall, just disgraceful season for the Cleveland Browns after all the offseason hype. Uh, yeah, let's hear, let's hear your thoughts on this whole season before we get into it. You, you want a full season breakdown? Yes. Starting with the offseason. Your feelings as a fan. All right, so definitely going into the season, um, I definitely thought I, – I know, looking at it now, it looks, seems crazy, but I thought playoffs were at least a minimum. You know, the offense that they had, you know – Baker had so much, he has so many mouths to feed with uh, Odell, with Landry. He had Callaway after four games. He has Chubb. He had Hunt. He's coming back what week eleven, week ten. Um, I mean, yes, their their O line is going to be shaky, but you know, with the weapons that they have, you know, and then the defensive pickups as well. You know, Miles Garrett's going to be Miles Garrett. Um, Denzel Ward's going to be Denzel Ward. Um, pick up Grady Williams in the draft. I thought it was a steal. So, I mean, just the talent that they had, I just – I assumed it was going to be, you know, at least playoff, wild card game. Um, I couldn't guarantee a win, but, you know, definitely reaching that far in the playoffs at least. And, uh, well, what, what were your thoughts on Freddie Kitchens going into the season? So I know, I know a lot of Browns fans thought this guy was like the next Belichick or something after last season. He, <laughs> the team kind of turned around when he took over, but – He did. He Jesus. Did. Yeah, he definitely did turn the season around. Um, the second half, when they finally fired Hugh Jackson, that was oof. Um, and then they gave Freddie Kitchens the offensive coordinator job. And I think the first game was Atlanta, I believe. The home against Atlanta was his first game. And everything just seems like everything seems so much smoother, you know, comfortable. Uh, Chubb seemed like, you know, he was strumming. He had the 92-yard carry that one game. I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, it's the Falcons. They, they've been on the bottom the past few years after make, reaching the Super Bowl, you know, one in seven this year. Um, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, like, oh, dang, this guy seems like you know what he's doing. And then, you know, him getting promoted to the head coach, I was definitely a little bit like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I can, I can understand it. But, you know, what was his first time NFL head coach in charge of this, you know, Stacked offense, stacked defense, and so I, I was definitely a little bit concerned. But you know, I saw what he did the second half of the season for the Browns, and you know, I I saw no reason to be like you know very upset. But I also didn't see I wasn't also jumping for joy with you know oh boy I can't wait for Freddie Kitchens you know to start leading the offense. You know we're gonna go for. Yeah, I mean, Fred, Freddie Kitchens, like, you can make the argument. Who Who is worse, though? Who's, who's <laughs> he, the worst he definitely coach? hasn't lived up to the hype as well as the team. Um, the Patriots game was just another example of what are we doing out there. So, yeah, Fred, Freddie Kitchens definitely has been a little bit, when I say a little bit, that's probably an understatement, a big disappointment towards the season. Who who's a worse head coach, Hugh Jackson last year or Freddie Kitchens this year? Because you can make an argument that Hugh Jackson did a better job coaching this team last year than Freddie Kitchens is this year. 
Especially considering Hugh Jackson is less talent to work with. Hugh Jackson didn't have OBJ. Freddie's got OBJ. I don't, I don't know what Freddie's doing. I, I really – I wish I could tell you, too. I mean, Odell, he is just a different talent, right? He is we, – we've seen him in New York. He I mean, that's with Eli. He showed how good of a receiver he was. And, I mean, I, I really don't know what he's doing with Odell. Like, he has Odell and Jarvis Landry, right? Probably, arguably, one of the best one-two wide receivers in the league. I would argue – Probably the best, maybe. Geez, I don't. I don't even know who would be close. To number two, maybe Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for the Rams. I mean, that's a solid duo. But even still, like even the the talent that the, the Browns have is still so much, so much higher. I, I I look at some of the play calling that Kitchens is doing, and I mean, oh my, Baker's interception on on Sunday was probably one of the worst things I've seen in football in recent time. Um, it was some shuttle pass that he just gave right to, uh, Oh, what was his name? Who did he, well, okay. Well, he shuttle passed it right to the new England defensive lineman. It was just like, wh- what are we doing? Right. And with Odell, you expect him to, you know, be out there for every snap and he is, and you expect him to run, you know, in routes, you know, you expect him to go deep. Cause you know, he's incredibly fast. One of his, I think he's the only touchdown he has this year was a eight yard slant, which he made an 88 yard touchdown just because he's able to outrun everyone. And grand that was against the jets. So it's not really saying much, but it, I've just seen a lack of use for Odell, like not as many targets, not, you know, he's averaging 5.4 catches a game. And that's just, that's not something you need in o- Odell. You need at least eight to 10 catches a game. Like, you know, like your Hopkins, like your, um, like you know, your other top wide receivers, you can't be getting five catches a game with Odell. Yeah, it's it's honestly been disgraceful how. I mean, Odell hasn't even been great either. He's a couple of draws. I'm a big Odell fan. It's hard to defend him this year. It doesn't seem like he's focused at this point. It doesn't seem like he cares very much. And uh, at the same time, I mean, Baker can't get the guy the ball. PJ, I know you have very strong feelings about OBJ. What have you been seeing this this season and against the Patriots? What did you see? Uh, this season has been pretty bad for OBJ. It all started with that that watch thing that we went over on the podcast. wasn't wasn't very focused, and then I didn't really read into much about it. But I guess he gave Brady goat cleats with like real goat hair. I don't I don't know. <laughs> so you have to explain that to me. But that you don't just hand over somebody goat cleats without like thinking about it for a while and designing it, and I don't know having somebody make it. It's got to go through a bunch of different people, and so clearly he wasn't focused on beating the Patriots because he's not going to be giving. Tom Brady goat cleats after the Browns upset the Pats in Foxborough. Tom Brady's going to want no pair of those goat cleats if the Pats lose. So OBJ has been focusing on the bye week and focusing on preparing for the Patriots by how he's going to respect Tom Brady, which is just ridiculous. And there was like a picture of like Baker looking at him like, what the heck are you doing? So I don't know. And then in the game, Pats, Steeler, uh, Pats, Browns, that was the biggest coaching mismatch in NFL history. Bill Belichick was his 30th, 300th win. Freddie Kitchens has... Uh, let's say let's say two wins. Let's not count last year. That was <laughs> so he started this year. He's got two wins as an NFL head coach. That's three hundred to two, and yeah, the play Daniel was talking about was just terrible. It's guys running in different directions, nobody blocking, and a nose tackle catching a ball from a quarterback that's standing five feet away. I never, I didn't, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's it's honestly, I mean, the play calling has been terrible. Uh, he ran a fourth and uh, on fourth and nine on the year. Freddie Freddie called up the draw play. Also, late in this game, uh, it was 4th and 11. Browns down by, like, 10 points or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> but 
that rather than just just draw up like quick slant to OBJ, that's all it takes. I mean, that's that's probably your best play on offense. Throw to OBJ over the middle, ten yards. That's all it takes. Oh, they need eleven yards. What do they do? They they he gets an intentional delay of game, uh, or he lines up to punt and gets an intentional delay of game so he can have more time to come up with a play. I don't know how you don't have a fourth and ten play ready if you're Freddie Kitchens. I've never seen an NFL head coach this unprepared before. Uh, it's honestly embarrassing. I really don't know how he hasn't been fired yet. Um, but the good thing about the Browns is they do have a really easy schedule coming up. So, I mean, there is some – they could redeem their, themselves, I guess. But it, at this point, it's it, that would be pretty hard to redeem themselves even though they don't play anyone really good for the rest of the year other than a game or two. Um, but, I mean, Baker Mayfield, the guy's regressed. Clearly, he's rattled. Uh, seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold, he's like falling over before anyone gets to him. Sprinting out of the pocket and chucking out of bounds every play. Looks like Bo Nix on Auburn, actually. That's him and Bo Nix have played very similarly the last couple of weeks. That's my number one comparison right now. It's it's pretty bad. Um, can't get the ball to anyone. Jarvis Landry's had a tough season. Can't really get open anymore. His, he doesn't really get any separation. Uh, they don't really like they got Ricky Seals Jones at tight end. I, I don't know what they're doing anymore. They, Nick Chubb is by far their best offensive weapon. It seems like they're most effective. He had two fumbles against the Pats. First one he's got to have was kind of a fluky play. Second one uh, was a good, really good uh, play by whoever punched it out. I forget, but he's still got to hold on to those. I mean, back-to-back fumbles and back-to-back carries. Even though it was a, it was a sick run by Chubb, too. Broke a ton of tackles way downfield. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, they got to feed Nick Chubb, feed Kareem Hunt when he comes back, I guess, because the passing game is abysmal. Um uh, yeah, I, Freddie Kitchens needs to be fired, though. That's that's a fact. That guy cannot be head coach for them next year, never mind the rest of the season. I don't think he should be. And then also, the Cleveland Browns are the most penalized team in the league. 70 penalties for 591 yards. I mean, that's that's all in the yeah, uh, it's Yeah. yeah. It, all, it all goes back to uh, – it all comes back to the front office, right? You know, you got Freddie Kitchens, you know, you know penalties, that's all discipline, right? That's something that, as a coach, you need to start, you know, laying that on the players. And when you have well, Dorsey, who's the, who's the GM of the Cleveland Browns, when he when he doesn't know what he's doing, you get Freddie Kitchen doesn't know what he's doing. When you get Freddie Kitchen doesn't know what he's doing, all those players doesn't know what he's doing. You get the players who don't know what they're doing, you know, you're two and five, and you're looking at right now. I'm looking at it probably a six and ten season, which I mean, from minimum of playoffs, from what I said to you know my expectations to a six and 10 that that's just unacceptable, honestly. And from going, well, what was it? One and 31, you keep Hugh Jackson, you keep, you keep Hugh Jackson for half the season, right? Until you finally fire him. You know, finally you think, you know, Friday kitchens is the second coming of God. And then now he's just doing terrible. So it's like, just, there is nothing good that can happen to this team. Literally. There's not, not one good thing has happened. You yeah, know, you get all these good players, and they still can't even work together, right? I mean, the only really good play, good players right now have been Nick Chubb. He has what, like six hundred yards in the season, just carrying six touchdowns, and Miles Garrett. Two yeah. players, a uh, fifty-three man roster. Two players, not nothing else yeah. to show for. And the the one of the most questionable moves in the offseason, I thought, kind of went under the radar because it happened the same day, I believe, as the OBJ trade. But the Browns and the Giants made another trade that day or the day after something. They traded – Browns traded their best offensive lineman. I'm blanking on the guy's name. I think he plays right guard or something. 
for uh, Olivier Vernon, who uh, he's the D end. He, he's a good run stopper, I guess. He makes a lot of money. Um, he's not what he used to be back when he was on the Dolphins way back when. Um, but the Browns had a questionable offensive line last year, and basically trading away your your best player on the O-line for a, a run stopper when your D-line doesn't really need any more help, uh, considering that's probably one of the strengths of your team, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the D-line with Miles Garrett is probably the strongest part of that team. Um, I it just it didn't it didn't make any sense, but it went under the radar. And I don't I don't think that move got criticized enough and their lack of effort to really bulk up their O-line that this offseason and improve on it at all and basically ignoring it, saying thinking that OBJ would save the day. Um, they're they're kind of turning to the Giants 2.0. Uh, it's it's like it's they have they have no O line. They can't block for their quarterback, and they're making Baker look worse than Eli ever was. So it's it's just really bad. Bad coaching too. It's um, and the the worst part is the most ironic part about it is you see Baker throw three picks, and the commercials come on. And he's in every single commercial, and you go back to back to the Browns game. Oh, Baker threw another interception. Pick six. Fumble. <laughs> it's terrible to watch. It's it's bad football. It's and. In the pe- press conferences, they're all just they're 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 all, they're still talking about refs and stuff like oh you know the refs are screwing us like he, he, the ref isn't the one uh, shovel passing it to the other team's defensive tackle and fumbling twice it's 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 honestly embarrassing and I think the Browns need to uh, they they might need to move on from OBJ this offseason. I don't know what they're gonna get from him in a trade I don't know who wants him right now I mean a lot of teams will want him the guys still an electric playmaker obviously but. Um, they need that locker room needs to, uh, I don't know. They got to put up a shut up. They got to, they got to less talking, more mm-hmm, playing. Yeah. They got to, it's, it's bad. It's bad football. You know, it's also, if you, oh, sorry, I'll go first. Then you can go after me, but if you fire Freddie Kitchens and you hire somebody else, how do you even know that the next head coach is going to want to work with Baker Mayfield? So you might not even only need another head coach. You might need another quarterback. So that's, that's even worse when you took the guy number one overall. So you fire you fire this head coach, you bring in a new head coach who sees that Baker can't play, and then they need to start over with a whole new quarterback. It's just, just a mess. Yeah, it's 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 definitely rough. But, I mean, well, Baker's proved that he can play. He's definitely proved that he's one of the one of the, one of the best QBs the Browns had in recent times. I mean, it's not saying much. probably the best QB they've had was Brian Hoyer. Yeah. He went 3-0 before he tore his ACL. Barely better than, <laughs> no, like, a mid-level replacement backup. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it's funny you mentioned that Olivia Vernon trade because you look back on the season so far, Baker's been sacked 16 times. Um, let's see. He has 1,500 yards, five touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, I, I think one of the toughest things right now for the Browns is definitely inconsistency. I, I mean, let's just, I mean, I can just go through the season right now. Week one got crushed by the Titans. People are like, oh, you know, maybe it's just week one. Get, butterflies you know get the jitters out everyone's whatever week two comes they beat the jets but like let's be real is that really even saying anything like as long as you have a pulse you're gonna win by 20 points then comes the rams game right you know you're playing in prime time home game fans are you know fans are into it you know you play them close right this is the last year super bowl contenders and you got them 30 17 with a minute left right and this just comes about play calling right you're fourth and fourth fourth yeah fourth and goal First and goal, my goodness. First and goal from the four. Three timeouts, 53 seconds left, and you do four incompletions. Well, technically three incompletions and an interception on the last play. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that fourth and nine run play uh, before with Nick Chubb. 
Like that's the time when you do run the play. And it's like, and then week four, you destroy Baltimore, right? You beat them by 15 points. You beat them on both sides of the ball. And then week five, you got crushed by the 49ers, who actually, let's just say, they have been a very surprising team so far this season. They've also played no one good in particular. And then week six, I argue you should have beaten the Seahawks. And then you buy a week, and then you got crushed by New England. Um, but again, the rest of the season, I have six and ten, seven and nine max. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. The Browns just—it's not—it's embarrassing season uh, for everyone involved there. Um, probably going to be a major ship in the off season away from whatever they're doing this season. That locker room is. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on there. It's just, it, it's really, it, it's embarrassing to that franchise. And the Browns are going to be the Browns. It's, I guess it's, it's uh, the only given in the NFL that the Browns are going to suck. So it's not too surprising if you look at the history of the NFL because that franchise has really just been uh, extremely unsuccessful. So, yeah. Um, else for in the NFL, anything else you guys want to touch on? Yeah, I'll start first. Uh, I'll go to the Bears-Chargers game. I don't know if any of you guys saw this <clears> game. Bears were up like seven, sixteen to seven, and then they blew the lead. Chargers were up seventeen, sixteen, and the Bears got the ball back with like two minutes left or something. And then the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, surprisingly, drove them into Chargers territory, made a couple of nice throws. There's like forty seconds left, and the Bears had the ball in the Chargers thirty-one yard line with a timeout, and they just decided to knee the ball. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know why. They, their coach is supposed <laughs> to be this new offensive mind. They knee the ball. 42 seconds left, you can do anything. You can do a screen pass, a run play. You can, I don't know, quick slants. You can do a lot of conservative things. I don't know, throw it to the tight end in the flat. Come up with something to gain, give your kicker a little bit of help and get into extra point range. And then they bring out the kicker for no apparent reason. And the kick, I thought it was a decent kick. It just missed because he was too far out. He was 41 yards. It hooked a little bit from right to left. But if he's closer in, he's from 30 yards out, 35 yards out, he, he makes that kick. But for some reason... They just decided to stop playing with 40 seconds left, and they had one timeout, and they were driving, too. They had all the momentum. So I don't I don't know what Matt Nagy was doing in that situation. And, yes, Trubisky, not very good, but he's not getting helped out by his uh, poor coaching staff right now. Yeah, Nagy last year, uh, You look, I mean, you look at last year, he looked like this like offensive genius making Trubisky, who we now know is basically Blake Bortles 2.0. I mean, he made Trubisky look like a, a pretty good young quarterback. Um, the Bears, they won a lot of games with that defense. And then this year, Nagy, it just does, it seems like he's just like the guy seems like brain dead almost. Like they they ran the I remember they've they've Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, and they're throwing the ball like forty times a game, running it five times. When you can say you can make the argument that 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 like Mitch Trubisky is not going to win you games. I don't know why they're putting the ball in Mitch's hands to win the games. Um, and especially when their passing offense is so predictable, Allen Robinson's the only real weapon in that passing game. Everyone else is pretty. Bad to say the least. I mean, they don't really have any other weapons in the passing game. Three cone in the screen pass, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's just it's been a predictable bad offense so far this year, where they're not playing to their strengths. Can't. Mitch has regressed a ton. He's been horrible. And then that decision was that is one of the, I I don't understand why he don't run the ball there. It's just he said he didn't want to fumble. Uh, he he kind of snapped the reporter who asked him too. He's I don't know. It's he said there was no. No, uh, no thought of even running or passing there. He, the kick was the only decision to make. Which, I mean, the Chicago Bears have been known in recent past to have 
one of the worst kicking situations in the league, if not the worst. So I don't really know why they have so much faith in their kickers. I mean, I don't know. It's that was dumb, boneheaded to say the least. It was stupid, stupid move, stupid decision. And uh, Nagy really coaching himself into the hot seat this season. Pretty far fall from where they were last year in a Browns-esque fashion. Um, any, anything else to touch on? Well, I do agree with you that, uh, you know, kicking has been terrible in the NFL, and apparently no one can kick a football anymore. Playing for the Titans, but... It's, you know, kicking has just been horrible, I guess. I don't know what happened like, between the past three years. No one can kick anymore. Yeah, you bring up a good point. All these kickers, they're all mentally pretty weak, too. They all have to have it like their own certain way, and the ball has to be placed here, and it's got to be put down in a certain way. And I, I don't know. I, I'm with Daniel in this one. The Patriots kicker, he's awful, too. I mean, Belichick, he's going for it in, like, fourth and seven on the 20. It's it's, it's getting ridiculous. I he think. just got cut. They, they just cut that guy Nugent today. They, uh, they cut Mike they cut, him, they cut him a couple hours ago. They signed uh, Nick Folk, former New York Jet, and other teams. He might, might be even older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they won't have to go for it on fourth and ten every time. But, yeah, the lack of the lack of reliable kickers in the league is definitely something that teams have to be concerned with, especially as we get into the colder months, December, playoff time. I mean, that's going to cost some teams some games. Some big time games uh, get a little rainy, windy out here, a little harder to kick, uh, and yeah, you'll, we'll see. We might see Cody Parkey 2.0, a lot of playoff chokes from these mediocre at best kickers who a lot of teams are scared to rely on. As simple as that. So, um, yeah, I I don't have much else to add there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else happened in the NFL. Oh, the the New York Jets. They today was the NFL trade deadline. Nothing really happened as usual, but. The Jets said they were going to trade, like, the entire roster, basically. They had Jamal Adams saying that he wanted to go home to Dallas. doesn't want to be on that team anymore. Uh, Lev, Lev Bell might get traded or something, they were saying. All this kind of stuff. Um, I just want to – I kind of want to take a victory lap here. A lot of Jets fans thought they were going to be, like, playoff team. I don't really know why. They have, like, three good players on the whole roster. They have one of the worst quarterbacks, worst coaches in the league, so – once again, taking a victory lap on the New York Jets. Pathetic franchise, pathetic organization, pathetic head coach, and pathetic quarterback. I look forward to them losing to the Dolphins this week. Calling it now. Uh, yeah, fits magic by double digits. Well, the, the Jets Dolphins, are terrible. Yeah, the Dolphins did just get to actually uh, keep to lead, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to play for them. But I saw he was a salary dump, so I'm thinking they might cut him or he might be on. A, he's hurt, maybe. I don't really know. I, I don't but. I still like the Dolphins over the Jets this week. I think the Jets are an embarrassment of a team, more so than the Browns. They're the New York Jets. Terrible, terribly run franchise. Yeah, tying the uh, Jets and Dolphins together. That Darnold, three picks and a fumble last game. But I was watching the Monday night game, uh, Dolphins-Steelers, maybe, maybe I missed it, but there was no Monday night Mike this week, which there's been a Monday night Mike every week. So I don't know, I don't know what ESPN is doing now after they released the Darnold seeing ghosts. I'm not sure if I missed it or if they're, I don't know, they're not allowed to do any more Monday Night Mics or I don't know what happened to the Monday Night Mike <laughs> Dolphins Steelers or uh, they released the uh, footage of Sam Darnold. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, if ESPN's not doing that anymore, that that's pretty embarrassing that they're uh, being intimidated out of their Monday Night Mike thing by Adam Gase. I mean, come on now. Don't let Adam Gase tell you what to do. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty sad, you know. The Monday Night Mike was a good time and, 
I think I don't think it was a bad sound by putting Sam Donald seeing Ghost out there. I mean, it's like, oh, you got to protect your players, and uh, it's that that's such a bad thing for ESPN to do. It's like, he, why is Sam Donald saying that to his teammates on the sideline? Anyway, if I if I was Sam Donald's teammate, my franchise quarterback is whatever they're calling him, came up to me and said he's seeing ghosts. I, how do you have any faith in him? So Sam Donald shouldn't be saying that stuff in the first place. So yeah, I agree. I I don't know. They got to get the Monday Night Mike back. Uh, Daniel, you got a quick prediction for us on uh, Sunday's game, uh, November 3rd, 425, Browns at Broncos? You know, that was one of the few I did give. Um, that is one of the wins I do have for Cleveland in the coming season. Um, but Denver, uh, their defenses look pretty good. They've held um, quarterbacks to do pretty well. Like Jacoby Brissett struggled last week. Um so I, I do I do give them the win against Denver at Denver, um, but it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna be a low scoring. It's got to be like a twenty one ten twenty one seventeen game. Yeah, I the the uh, the Broncos are starting a guy I never heard of in my life at quarterback. So if the Browns don't win this game, Freddie's definitely gone. I, I think there's no question if the Browns lose, Freddie's gone. He has to be. I mean, the Broncos are not very good, um, especially with. I mean, Joe Flacco wasn't playing well at all, but. I literally have no idea who the guy they're starting at quarterback right. is this week. Never even heard of him before. Yeah, so it's yeah. What happened to Flacco? Did he was he like complaining or something or fake injury or um, what happened to Flacco? I mean, they're saying he has a back injury and he's out. They might throw him on IR, but uh, he did complain after the game about the play calling and stuff at the end of the game. So Vic Fangio probably not too happy about that one. Maybe maybe led to his uh, IR designation or. Incoming to IR designation, but I don't really know the full details on that one. All right. Um, moving on from the NFL, uh, college football playoff rankings being released tonight. They'll probably be released uh, before this episode is published. But, uh, Seamus, you want to give your, uh, I don't know, top six college football playoff rankings right now? Uh, if I had to rank the teams right now, hmm, it, oh I hate to keep Clemson in my top four, but. They're undefeated. There's not many undefeated teams left. So I'll go. I'd probably say LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Alabama 3, Clemson 4. Um, Penn State 5 probably. And then, uh, you know, I'm kind of going outside the box here. But I don't think you should reward one loss teams over undefeated teams. So, uh, actually, no. Screw that. Baylor? No. I mean, I was thinking Minnesota. I like yeah, Minnesota's like unbeaten right now. Minnesota's kind of a – the Golden Gophers are a football school now. They're no longer a hockey school. They're actually a football and basketball school. Screw it. I'm putting – I think Gophers are the sixth best team in the country right now. I don't think I don't think a one-loss team should be rewarded over them. Although, I, I like Florida a lot. They, they were my preseason bold predictions. So, Florida's at seven for me. All right. So, for the Minnesota point, they're, the coach after their last win, after they got to 8-0 – had this like three minute thing on why college game day should go to Minnesota, Penn State for the undefeated Big Ten game over Alabama LSU. And then next thing you know, the Minnesota AD declines a night game against Penn State because he thinks it's gonna be too cold at night. So their game is being played at eleven o'clock uh, local time, twelve noon kickoff for the East East Coast. So you're not getting college game day when you're not putting your uh, undefeated program in the nighttime prime time slot. And Alabama LSU plays at three thirty, so at prime time you'd still get viewers. So. I don't know. I'm I'm not big on Minnesota just because their AD that, doesn't know how to handle their undefeated success and is now having their team playing noon kickoff games 
against the undefeated Penn State game, the biggest game in the program's history. And now I saw on Twitter half the fan base is pissed off that it's at noon and not primetime. And, I don't know, the other half is okay with it because it's too cold. And so I don't, I don't want any part of Minnesota until they beat Penn State in this noon showdown. But off Minnesota, my top six, LSU number one. Uh, they beat Texas, Florida, Auburn. No other team can really say that. Ohio State, two. I think they haven't given up more than 10 points since week one, and they've scored more than 34 in every single one of their games. So when you're scoring 34 and only giving up 10, that's that's pretty good. I'll go Clemson, three, because they beat Alabama last year, and neither team has really played anybody this year. And everyone's saying Clemson struggled, but the last three games they've won by, quick math, 31, 35, and 48 points. So that's, that's not too bad for me. Alabama, four. Uh, Penn State five, and I'll do Florida six. But none of these rankings really matter because LSU plays Alabama in two weeks. So whoever wins that, whoever loses that, probably be four or five. Daniel, who you got? Top. top so you, five. you want me to give my rankings or what I think? Uh, you're, rank- you're ranking. All right. You're so I, again, I have to go same here. LSU one, Ohio State two. Um. Now I probably I, I will give Alabama three, Clemson four. Um. I probably have to keep Penn State at five, but I do think this Minnesota-Penn State game is going to be a big one for both teams. Um, you know, if, if Minnesota can beat Penn State, I'd say they're definitely arguably top top six. Um, I mean, granted, they haven't, like, Penn State's going to be the first team to actually play. They're going to be like UCF all over again. But Penn State at five and uh, – jeez. Uh, you know, this, all right, no one's going to like me for this one, but I'd probably put Georgia at six. Um, yeah, I know their loss was a bit humiliating, but I still think they're one of the top six teams in the country. I don't hate that. Yeah. You go, you go. Yeah, Georgia-Florida Georgia, play this week, so, again, the rankings don't really matter. Whoever wins that game will probably slide in behind all the undefeated teams, so that'll all get figured out this weekend. Um, and also, I want to talk, touch on this uh, Bama, um, Bama LSU game for a second. I mean, Joe Burrow's probably been the best player in the country so far. His stats are uh, absurd. They're like they're, he's the most efficient quarterback we've seen in a while in college football. Um, right now, he's got to be the Heisman leader. Um, but Tua, the guy who a lot of people had, had as the Heisman favorite coming into the game uh, this season, he's hurt right now. He's a game time decision. It's up in the air. Um, and I actually think Bama shouldn't play Tua in this game because I, this guy, Mac Jones, came in. I mean, it was Arkansas, but he looked really good, and he was good in high school. And um, I like the guy's attitude, too, because when he came to Alabama, he knew Tua was coming. He knew that they had all these big-time prospects, and he said that he didn't care. He likes the competition. He wanted to earn his spot. He wanted to be quarterback for Alabama. So I think I think they've got to give this guy, Mac Jones, a chance. Um, I think Alabama is a talented enough team to stick with LSU – even without Tua. Um, I think Tua's been maybe a little overhyped by media, too. I mean, the Alabama offense doesn't didn't really seem to miss a beat without him, and they still have probably the best set of playmakers in the country. So, I think... Does Mac Jones' job to lose? What? Mac Jones' job to lose, then? I I don't know. I, I, I think Mac Jones... I, I think banged up Tua... I don't think he's got to start Tua. I believe in Mac Jones. I don't know about that one. The fan base, the fan base wants to see Tua. Tua, Tua is healthy. Tua is seventy-five percent. Yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, 
Yeah, throw two out. Yeah, but 75% two is not the same player. We saw that in the national championship last year. He's not the same player when he's injured. If two is not at 100%, he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do. Uh, he's going to – you might you might force some plays. LSU's got a great defense. They always do. They always got great defensive backs. Uh, Their defense is one of the worst they've had in a while, though. They gave up 35 points to Texas and 20 points to Auburn, who couldn't really do anything. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, yeah, their defense—they're starting some—they're starting a true freshman at corner too. Like, they, you don't see that too often from a defensive back university. Although that guy is pretty good, he actually might be hurt. But um, I, I don't think it's Mac Jones' job to lose. But I do think that he should probably—if Tua isn't a hundred percent, I don't know, or at least close to it. I don't really think they should start. If he's fifty percent and he's hobbling, he can't do what he's usually capable of, I say you throw this guy in. I mean, you have Jerry Judy. You have, like, four first-round picks of wide receiver. You got, like, two first-round picks of running back. He, he, all you got to be is a game manager for this team. And Alabama does have a better defense than LSU. You make a good point there. LSU's defense isn't great. So, um, I don't know. I But I can see a scenario where Tua starts this game, isn't 100%. LSU gets a couple nice turnovers off of him. Uh, and Joe Burrow runs away with this one. I, I That's what I'm seeing right I just – I don't trust Andrew Tua. I, I haven't seen Andrew Tua do much. Last national championship game wasn't the same player. It's a fact. Uh, uh, that's all I got. Dan, you got, you got anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up? Um, I don't think so. I do think LSU will win by at least 21 points. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. not- I, I, I don't see it being close. Alabama, you know, they haven't been – usually their offense has been so good, you know, they don't have to rely on their defense that much. But, again – They've been laying up all these points. I I see LSU winning by at least twenty one. In in Daniel's offense, Alabama's defense has hasn't been as good as it has been in previous years. Tennessee Tennessee was moving the ball on them decently in that game, and if they had any coaching or any belief that they weren't Tennessee and they could actually <laughs> beat Alabama, it would have been a fourth quarter game. There was this one play where like the quarterback of Tennessee, because they're down three touchdowns at this point, but. There's like 10 minutes left. I don't know. You score, you stop, you score again, stop again, you score again. You, you have a chance. And they've been moving the ball all game. Tennessee quarterback, and like fourth and one at the half-yard line, takes it and tries to reach the ball over and it gets fumbled in return for an Alabama touchdown. Actually, no, it was a two-touchdown game at that point. So they were right in it. And, yeah, Alabama returns it 100 yards for a touchdown. And the coach, like, rips the Tennessee quarterback's face. Yeah. It, the other thing about Bama is that. All that stuff. But, I don't know. I, all I know is uh, Tennessee moved the ball against Alabama. So. I don't know. The SEC is known for its defense, and I think the defenders of the SEC and the fans of the SEC might—they could see north of north of seventy points being put up in this game. It's a bold prediction. Hammer the over, I guess, if you're better. Um, I I do agree. I guess that Bama hasn't really been tested this year by any top tier team. I mean, A and M might be the best team they've played so far this year. South Carolina, I guess. Like they they haven't played anyone too hard, so. And LSU, LSU's won some big games already this year. So, I guess LSU's battle-tested. They're ready. I don't know about Bama. And as much as I said I like Mac Jones, he is a backup quarterback. The guy's played, like, one game in his career and it was against Arkansas. So, if he does end up getting the start, who says that he's ready for the number one team in the country? Um, even with all that help around him and the great coaching, obviously. Oh, uh, saving. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right, Daniel, uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate it so much. This was a fantastic time. I'm glad you guys let me on. And uh, go uh, Browns. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to be saying. 
All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biased Opinion. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Biased underscore underscore opinion. Tweet every time we have a new episode. We'll be back probably next week with another one. Thanks for listening.